pre-taped from his office, or his bedroom, or his mom's basement, or, well, wherever the hell he is. Welcome to the only place where you can be smart on the internet. A really smart podcast with Tommy. Thanks, Chowski. Hey, what is up, my Tommets? What is up? It's Tommy Smart from New York. Well, not really live, but pre-taped from my office. Um, what's going on, guys? It's Tommy. This is my podcast, a really smart one at that. Welcome to it. And uh, what's going on, guys? How was your week? I'm uh, doing all right. Yeah, all right. I uh, wanted to uh, say what's going on. I hope you guys are well. I hope my peoples are doing fine. So how's uh, Uncle Timmy and his little little black spot on his lung did you get it checked out i really would you know you don't want to run into a situation where it's hey he beat covid but it got to him you know you wouldn't want it with those horrible moments because i know what that's like and you don't want to live like that so uh hope you get that checked out hope uh johnny beef stew the good old johnny beef stew is gonna be okay in his uh whole thing he's got going on with you guys where he's like that oh i don't well well fuck parents man is uh is a thing of the past and i hope you guys are doing okay feeling all right um i am good i'm just sitting back being chill and i was actually just watching a episode of that show you know that show that people watch with the guy and the girl and they do the thing and they almost get away with it you know you know what i'm talking about it's that show and so I'm watching, and there's an episode where she goes to um, the uh, Village Vanguard. You know, you know that uh, the Village Vanguard. If you guys haven't been to New York, which I think most people who listen to this podcast are, except for my peoples in Canada and my peoples in France, love you all. So, uh, and if uh, and that's everybody else that isn't uh, is listening, but they want to be recognized for where they are on a, a socio political territory. Uh, hit me up, really smart podcast at gmail dot com, and uh, really smart comedy on all the socials. Hit me up sometime. Anyway, so if you want, that's if that's if you really want to me to know who you really are, what's going on. But uh, if you don't, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on. So yeah, I'm watching this show, and she's at the Village Vanguard, and that's uh great time and watching it because I was there earlier today no lie I was there earlier today and I, I'll be real with you it was hilarious uh, because you're just like cool man I never thought I'd be at the village vanguard and they're like really you never thought you'd be at the village vanguard no son I never thought I'd be at the village vanguard I thought I'd just be uh, doing my thing going around school and all talking 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 but, but you proved me otherwise different man and be like oh shit i really did that be like yeah dude you really did that i'd be like oh buddy i wish i knew i wish i knew how that was gonna go goo 
it'll flow shoot a pole do a da da anyway so watching this thing about where they're at the village vanguard and that was a time and i was like holy shit this is such a cool part of not even just like history of the village but like just like a cultural thing like because there was a time guys where i don't know if you realize this but comedians um were actually just not really like thought of as a talent man it was thought of more so as a um sorry i got the schnauzels on ah jesus Uh, what are we gonna do anyway people but the village vanguard though comedians weren't really respected as like an art form um until like after post-war or something and that was what was crazy because comedians would just be these people that would like hang out and like introduce like strippers and musicians and they would do jokes and when like they were done with their show they would tell a couple more and i think that would escalate to something around like 10 minutes of material and just riffing with a bunch of tough guys which i think in the way is like how say like don rickles came in um his buddy uh bob newhart would come through um and become something it really wasn't anything else up until that point. So it wasn't like you could really compare, say, that show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. No, not that show where I was saying about, like, the thing with the guy and the girl, and they do the thing, and they almost get away with it. That's not really a premise of any show I watch or even have an interest in watching. But I say it anyway, because I'm just riffing off the top of my head here, and hey, 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 what is feeling good? So can't really complain there. Um... So, yeah, you can't even really compare Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, for instance, like a show that was about, aha, uh-huh, you know, about the thing. Wow, I sound like Joe Biden there for a second. Oh, the thing and the girl and the eyes. <laughs> but you can't really compare the two because it's more of like that's just a fantasy thing. You look like they're about to break out into songs, you know, more or less than actually like doing um, stand up. So, yeah, because at this point in the show, we're in the late, the late 50s, I think like 58, and not only were comic clubs not a thing, really comedians didn't have a thing. It wasn't until Bud Friedman with the improv in New York, and then Mitzi Shore, who really gave birth to the modern day stand-up scene, bros, like the actual scenes. And um, that was a whole thing there. Um, I think it was where I was just like, I think what the deal with Mitzi Shore, if I'm not mistaken, was that she actually got the store in a in a settlement and with her husband. <laughs> settlement? No, not like that kind of a settlement with like a Blue Cross Blue Shield settlement, but uh, like a kind of a settlement with like your husband and after you've been married for a long time and you found out that he is a douchebag and all the other things and the balls and you know how things go if you've ever been to divorced i think you'd understand that hulk king in the goon and the gun uh, <laughs> which really when i even think about it right now it's more of like a like a bill cosby birds and the beat in the in the holes and the hot i don't even know what that is that's more like that guy oh jesus but you know what I'm talking about. The guy in, what was that movie with the, the man who shot Liberty Valance? Oh, the big ass. Oh, well, mister, I'm, I'm just a sheriff here, but I don't even really know what's 
gonna happen with a thing like that, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about? Was the way when the guy's just like really fucking nuts and just like he's such a little puss of a of a sheriff. And so you have uh, Merv Griffin's character, Liberty Valance, coming through like, all right, dude, I'm going to beat the shit out of you because I don't like the way your teeth look cleaned. They look like pearly whites. That's mine. That looks like a whole jar of honey mustard. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know anymore. <sighs> yeah, but it's important, these things. Um, who the hell is that? Sorry, I'm just like going through uh, Instagram, which I really shouldn't do while I'm doing the podcast. But hey, I'm doing it anyway because hey, fuck it. What are you guys gonna do about it? He 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 he. All right. Um, but yeah, so the show uh, "Marvelous Mrs. Maisel" is Italian. Watch it if you're not alright. Features the Village Vanguard, where I was earlier today, and I was there for like a good twenty-two minutes and. Uh, I was like, holy shit, this is where we are in life right now. Holy God. Oh, wow. Nuts, man. Just nuts. So I left the Village Vanguard. Before that, I was doing like a mic where I got heckled by this fucking guy. I'm not even joking. I was heckled by a fucking guy, which almost like doesn't really happen. They mostly just people, they disapprove, just leave. You'll walk them. But this fucker guy was just like, he was like, holy shit, it's stand-up comedy. And he walked over and goes like, hey, do you mind if I like stand right here? And I'm from the Bay Area. And so I just stand right here, sir. And I'm like, all right, I'm not going to say yay or nay, because at this point, who really cares? Um, he goes like, yeah, sir, I'll just sit right here and be, be all good luck, and we'll be okay. And I'm like, all right, all right. So I do my thing. He's like, boo, no, no, not that one, man. Not that one. And you're like, what are you talking about, not that one? Shut up, okay? Before I ask, Magadabadoo, you're going to go on the George Washington Bridge and kill yourself. <coughs> <coughs> yeah, I actually said that to somebody. And, uh, yeah, so I just was honest, like, dude, just leave me the fuck alone, bro. And goes like, no, sir, I just got to be right here. Like, boo, I'm trying to help you out, man. This is feedback. Your jokes are weak. And I'm like, at least I can afford an apartment. You fucking loser. He goes like, well, no mean for you to talk to me like that. All right. So the point is, the guy was a piece of shit while I was doing my set. And you're just like, while I'm doing my set, just shut the fuck up, dude. You can't be like that because everybody's just like, oh, Tommy, don't pick up on, on the elderly man. Elderly? Jesus Christ. Elderly? You want to talk about the elderly? Elder, I respect the elderly if they respect themselves, man. If you're just going to be a bum and go bum around a park and be like, yeah, oh, that's stand-up comedy, bro. Oh, yeah, bro. You're like, just like, stop that shit. Fuck you, man. Leave me alone, I want to be alone. Um, but anyway, the dude would be like, yeah, dude, just like tell better jokes, bro. And then they fucking gave him time to do his thing. <sighs> Jesus. Yeah, well, I, I, and I was just doing it just to do it, man. I mean, 
I, I just wanted to kickstart this week with like two mics. Three if possible, but you know, you can't like all of us rely on that. And dude, he was yeah, anyway, I shouldn't let stuff like that bother me, but it's just it's just fucking annoying when they give stage time to a fucking weirdo. I mean, if you can't afford your house, you shouldn't be at an open mic. I'm just putting it out there. Um anyway, where was I? Um, um yeah, so I was doing stand up out village and I was I think wasn't really gonna go do anything because weather shit and the clubs don't open up again in a couple of days. So I was doing just I was like asleep till like two PM and I left and went over to the place and the park and saw that they were doing their thing and I'm always late, 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 late. I'm sorry, well I had like five minutes heads up that there was gonna be a mic here. I thought with the shitty weather it was gonna be, but hey, who knows? Anyway. Anyway, so I was doing a that and then I ran out and found my way back to the train and saw like holy shit, it's the village vanguard. I always I wonder if I can ever play there. Is that even a thing anymore? Is the village vanguard even open anymore? Like is it even around? Is it even like a hip place? Village Vanguard. Jazz Club, front page. Oh shit, 1960s gigs by Coltrane who's playing this client lives up to its name. Um let me see here. If it's ever gonna be Oh damn. Oh shit. Wow, it's still kinda open up. Nice. Um Village Vanguard, Ron Carter Trio. March 26th to March 28th. I guess they've been doing, uh, oh, they've been doing like these like live stream archives. Holy shit. Okay. Oh, of all like concurrent. Wow. Yeah. That's a good reading, Tommy. Concurrent. Um, all these concurrents. Uh, Village Vanguard, NPR. Nice. Good shit. Oh, let me see on their Instagram. Uh, this is just so weird to me that I, I didn't, can't believe I didn't realize that this would actually they would actually be up. Uh, Maestro, Ron Carter, basis streaming now, only on villagevanguard.com. Stream bill. Alright, so they've been live streaming events and people would be paying to see them. And I guess their fans would go see that stuff. Yeah, good shit. Good for you to Village Vanguard. Um, Joe Martin... Bill Fraser. That's the thing about jazz. Let me realize is it's one thing that's cool about jazz and live performing is just that it's a stream of consciousness. Your jazz is very improvisational. It's not even like um, rock that has a certain set of beats. Jazz can be anything, and improvisational jazz is the best kind. Uh, we can just let musician like you have the band playing, and then they can really experiment with the sax and the trumpets and they can go to town. It's pretty fun. It's like free flowing. Um, yeah, John Coltrane, Miles Davis. Miles Davis was cool because he's, I think he had a, like a set of transformations over time. Like one time when he was younger, 
he was a traditionalist, and then he slowly built into more of like a psychedelic. Um, yeah, talk to Miles Davis. I'm gonna Google something real quick. Miles Davis and Jimi Hendrix. It's been long known that Jimi Hendrix and Miles Davis were making plans to record together before Hendrix's death in 1970, but it turns out that the pioneer guitarist and jazz trumpeter was hoping that Paul McCartney would join them on bass. Hendrix Davis and jazz drummer Tony Williams sent a telegram sent a telegram to on October 21st 1969. Okay, so they were there. So this isn't crazy. This thought about them not being like a couple or a pair or whatever, but like being um, of the same mind artistically. Um, I'm glad that I wasn't the only one that actually thought that because that would suck if I was just like the only one that thought that. Um, uh, so. Yeah, if you can, how would people describe Miles Davis's um, thoughts here? Hold on one second. Uh -huh. So what? Let's see here. Yeah, hold on. Uh, because it would be, I just want to see if like people thought about it him like that in terms of like him being like a Jimi Hendrix Miles Davis um, when Miles Davis discovered and then channeled the spirit of Jimi Hendrix after the release of Bitches Brew in 1970 Columbia Records pushed Miles Davis to play a series of days to Fillmore West and East supporting major rock bands like Neil Young and Crazy Horse, The Grateful Dead, Steve Miller Band, Miles Went Nuts, Columbia's Clyde Davis later remembered. He told me he had no interest in playing for those fucking long-haired kids. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> the reaction does not reflect Miles' attitude toward the music enjoyed by long-haired kids. Especially if you it goes without saying, the psych rock he embraced and transformed in the early seventies. Miles admired a rock handful of rock musicians, and none more so than Jimi Hendrix, whom he discovered. Notes this short excerpt from the Miles Davis story above, and the guitarist Michael McLaughlin. And McLaughlin tells Davis was dumbfounded when he first saw. Hendrix play on the film in D.A. Pennybacher's documentary Monterey Pop. Penny, D.A. Pennybacher's doc. As the 70s dawned, Hendrix had his abandoned gypsies and Davis was in the audience for their legendary New Year's Fillmore East marveling machine gun and the power of drumming of Buddy Miles. Buddy Miles, I love that name. Buddy Miles, it's just a fun name to say. Buddy Miles, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Buddy Miles, it's a fun name to say. Fun name to say. Fun name to say. Uh, Buddy Miles, Buddy Miles, Buddy Miles. Um, okay, so 
I guess I was right in that regard that everybody kind of can kind of connect with Miles Davis as a kind of like a alternative to uh, the great and powerful um, Jimi Hendrix. So, um, Village Vanguard, big place. Uh, let's see. Uh, so let's see what else did I do this week? Um, Counted the one that big thing. So I had dinner with my coworkers. Not really dinner. Um, it's more like drinks, which is fine, I guess. But at the same time, I would prefer there to be some kind of drinks. I mean, because I'm the kind of food because I was really hungry. Yesterday was like my cheat day. I've been on this Mediterranean diet, as you guys know. And I can't like eat anything that isn't uh, kind of remotely healthy for you. Otherwise, it's just like waste of your time. But I give it like one cheat meal, not even a cheat day to have a cheat meal. So I do that. And so we go there, and um, I went to a friend's show, Alden Skeetis. He does a show in Pearl Shirts Park. It's pretty good. I was there for like two comics, though, and I had to peace out because I had to meet up with the, with the co-workers. Who <laughs> it's funny because two of them were in Hoboken, and then we saw the other guy, and it was a time. And I personally had a great time. It was good to meet them. And honestly, uh, it went down exactly how I thought it was going to go down. And meeting them, they were who I pretty much thought they were. Um, and same thing for our senior associate. And which, if you guys are even wondering, a senior associate, no. Oh, excuse me, I got the hiccups. You know how that is. It's so tired. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, the senior, <laughs> senior associate... Um, basically a dude like I thought he was. He's a hell of a guy. Um, I won't mention names because I don't want to embarrass anybody, and I wouldn't embarrass him because I like the guy. So I'm not really saying it like a bad way. But he's a character. He's Huga uh, Shaka, Huga Huga Shaka. If anyone wants to like has lived the life he's lived, once is really enough. Um, he's exhausted, but. Um, Pretty dope though, and guy has a shirt from like Mineola Rail because he was a biker. The guy's like sixty two and he's a fucking biker, like a, like you know like Hell's Angels, vroom, 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 that kind of a biker dude. And you're just like, dude, that's hilarious. I never really thought at the age of sixty two you could like compete with those like younger guys. Holy shit! Is Hell's Angels, Angels even a um, what do you call those things? You know the uh, uh, thing anymore? Let me see here. Hold on one second. Hell's Angels. Hell's Angels, MC World. The Hell's Angels Motorcycle Club is a worldwide one percenter motorcycle club whose members typically ride Harley Davidson's Triumph and Vincent Motors. In the United States and Canada, the Hells Angels Incorporated won the Hells Angels Motorcycle Corporation. Founder Bishop Family. What the hell is a Bishop Family? Valentina, California. Hells Angels Forever. And they're a motorcycle gang. People. Yeah. Shit. Uh, motorcycle Hells Angels. Vroom, vroom. That's pretty much what they are, but I want to see if there's actually anything new about that. Yeah, I don't know if you guys can hear that. 
Yeah, I don't know if you guys can hear this, but it's basically their song. It's like kind of like a. Yeah, but uh, let's see what else. What else? What else? Um, yeah. So the angels. Wait, hold on a second. They were key person. Sunny Barger. Sunny Barger is how much is Sunny Barger worth? Sunny Barger's net worth. Sunny Bounder was the founding. Member in the Hell's Angels who had a net worth of 500000 So he was born in Modesto, California, October 19. California. It's Cave Creek Chapter Hell's Angels Motorcycle. Um, oh, wow. I didn't even know this was an actual thing. Let me see here. Oh, wow. Uh, is an American off biker. Oakland, California chapter of the Hell's Angels Motorcycle Club. On screen, Barger was identified but did not speak in Hell's Angels on Wheels. Um, Richard Rush directed this movie, Hell's Angels on Wheels. American Piker film directed by Rush. Sergeant. Oh, Jack Nicholson was in it. Dope. This must have been an early Roger Coleman, Corman movie. Let me see. Let me see here. Hold on. If that's actually like a legit thing. Made. Holy shit. Oh, I gotta check out this stuff. Okay. I'll watch the movie too. Let's see how when's the movie actually made? Uh, the movie was made. Hold on. Angels. 1967. Okay. Hell's Angels. Wow. Are they an actual thing anymore? The Hell's Angels? I mean, I know they're kind of a thing still, but like, don't, I, that's why I'm trying to figure out if they actually are a thing anymore. Because that would be kind of cool. Isn't that what Sands of Anarchy is even about? Sons is about that. Sons. S-O-A. Kurt Stutter, that Aaron from 2014, follows the lives of an outlaw motorcycle family operating in charming, a fictional town in California's Central Valley. The show stars Charlie Hunman as Jack Jackson Jacks Teller. Who was initially the vice president and subsequent president of the club? After discovering a manifesto written by his late father, John, who was previously then the MC, he soon began to question him, him, the club himself, relation, love, brother, loyalty, betrayal. Okay, yeah, we get the idea. Okay, so. Oh, wow. I thought this was like a. Damn, weird thing. Okay. Oh, so hey, apparently this was a good show. Um, I can't really speak to like what it even about is about now, but looks like kind of cool, kind of interesting. Um, let me see if Sons the Anarchy Y Jacks Clay both failed as Stramco and leader. All right, none of this actually means anything to me, but apparently I thought this was good. This show was kind of like yeah, a bunch of rednecks going around like, hey, you get out of here. But, you know, whatever. 
Uh, I'll go see. I'll go see. Um. Oh shit! I don't want to go. No, I don't want to go. Where? I don't know where I'm going with this thing. Okay. Cool. I think I get the idea. Um. Yeah, but Sonny Barger. Oh wow. This, so the Hell's Angels were like a big like organization. I didn't realize that. No, you don't. You don't ever feel like a champion because who really cares? <laughs> oh no, sorry about that, people. Sorry about the um, Sunny Barger clan. So yeah, I didn't know that Hell's Angels was an actual organization thing. I thought it was like a little, something a little bit less than that. But hey, good for uh, good for them. And it lasted all these almost a hundred years. The Hell's Angels. Cool. You learn something new every day. All right. What can I tell you guys? Hold on. I wanted to find out. I had like a little list here, a little list of what I wanted to talk about. It's funny when you actually get the list thing. It's like kind of cool. Write down a list. I kind of know what I'm talking about instead of just like coming off the top of my head. Yeah. Sorry about that. I'm just trying to find two what I was, was going to talk about. So basically, the point I was trying to make with the Sons of Anarchy people was that. Yeah, I didn't realize that the Hell's Angels were an actual organization. I thought they were just a bunch of random, like... I mean, I, I, knew, what a, I knew what a gang was, but I never really thought about it. Like, I never really looked up, looked into, like, the whole organization, but apparently it's like a huge organization of people. I guess it comes down to when someone told me it was basically the Sopranos and it was the biker gang. So, that kind of speaks to the quality of it. In terms of, I mean, the Sperano's being a biker gang. Hmm, interesting. I once knew a guy in a gang. He was weird. Well, he wasn't weird in, like, a, um, a bad stance, but, like, yeah, he'd been to jail, and he was a young guy, too, like, in his 20s, and he was, like, in a gang. And he thought about, and he was, like, they're like, we have no leader, we have no organization, we just do our thing, do our thing, do our thing. It's like a biker gang doing shit, man. Uh, do a thing, do a thing. Anyway, where was I? Uh, um, Alright, so Justice League. We talk about Justice League because I haven't talked about that yet. Um, so pretty good. Alright, so they did that new uh, Snyder Cut. They dropped that, and I was about a week and a half to getting to do it, to actually watching it, and it's really good. Now, am I surprised by that? No, because it's a director's cut. Of course, it's going to be a little bit better than what um, other than what the other one was, the theatrical Whedon cut. And to be honest, I'm not surprised because he was given a time to be able to develop it, to really grow it, to really let the characters flourish. Because it's like a six-part miniseries that's brought down into four hours um, long, uh, but six parts. And they're in good six parts, and they're a good little slither of these people. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, they talk a lot more about Cyborg, Aquaman... Um, a little bit of wait, who was the one I was missing? Cyborg, um, 
Aquaman. I think that was at Noakes. Diana had her own movie. Wonder Woman had her own movie. Um, we'll watch Manhunter pops in. Spoiler. I know those guys who haven't seen it, but get with the program. So it was good, but like honestly, what else could you even say about it? Of course it was going to be better because you let the director do his thing. And maybe that's the best part of what will come from all this. Um, we're going to have people who didn't do their... Um, um, you're going to have some, some directors that are able to have the fortune of their streaming platforms. Uh, HBO Go. Sorry. HBO Max um, or the other one. Um, HBO Max or the other thing. And, oh, Paramount, Paramount Plus, Disney Plus. With its streaming platforms now, they're going to be able to just produce stuff right for the people and direct to the people and when it's by and not have to worry about showtimes. Um, so we're really going to have a chance to have directors be able to make more creative shit. This might lead to a more well, sub-renaissance, honestly, in the industry. Um, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, dude. And the... That's why I am. I mean, yeah, dude. Um, we have these people being able to produce stuff. So, Zack Snyder's cut. It's ridiculous, too, man. I If you're going to have a director come in and take 90% of what the other director had and start from scratch in the reshoots and change the tone, you they were better off making it with... Uh, Zack Snyder, or at least a director that was David Ayers, right? The guy who did Suicide Squad. I'm doing that. David Ayers, right? Because that first one uh, is in 2016, that superhero film. I guess it needs to come up with supervillain team name. Yeah, I know that already. So it's what? Sorry, let me see here. Um, James Gunn reveals why. Oh, that's going to be terrible. James Gunn. Um, suicide Squad, let me see. Um, director. Um, who the hell directed it? David Ayer. Yeah, okay. David Ayer, not David Ayer's. At least he was able to copy a little bit of the Batman vs. Superman universe story there. Put that together. Um, and, you know, because he had the same tone, at least with Suicide Squad. They could have done that with the Justice League. And, um, and make that a little bit of a better feature, at least being able to copy what was already there, instead of start going in a whole different direction. Them going a whole different direction, frankly, was not good. Not good. Um, yeah. So I don't know why they didn't do that. They put Joss Whedon. I guess this is the name of he knows how to uh, make the whole. It's a totally different thing. The Avengers. So you can't even really say it was the Avengers in that whole thing. 
I don't know the answers. I wish I did, but I don't. Um, okay, so. So then they have there. Can't see James Gunn's movie. Um, totally. So then they put in Joss Whedon. Makes an entirely different thing. And it becomes um, just a weird vision. Um, so good for him. I mean, that sucks, right? His, his daughter committed suicide, if I'm not mistaken. Um, um, Snyder. Oh, damn. She's in a jumpsuit. Suicide, and according to in oh damn intoxication shit, damn twenty year old daughter. Huh, damn, yeah. So his daughter committed suicide, and he left the project, and now he was able to make the move that he wanted to make. Um, so good for him, man. I mean. I don't know. I mean, you gotta dip into your work after something like that at one point. Um, well, good thing he's on the other end of it, and that's over with. I mean, because if it wasn't over, poor guy. Poor guy. Um, poor guy. And um, so, in Justice League, the Snyder Cut is very good. It definitely, definitely... Um, is the story that was meant to be told, the story that was meant to be, and it's pretty evident that um, made Steppenwolf. I mean, it's still not perfect. I mean, in my, my mind, I mean, Steppenwolf was just at that point when it was released like a Thanos wannabe. At least it was like that in the Snyder Cut. And then there was the other cut. That was um not like that, and the Snyder just cut was it just a better cut of a movie? Uh, good for them for making it like that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Snyder's cut was pretty good. The also the part of it too was that uh, yes, yeah, so they humanized that character a little bit more. And honestly, too, Cyborg and Flash's story background are pretty powerful things. Very heartfelt. I mean, with the whole thing with Barry Allen and his father. And his father. And um, Cyborg's, like, you know, ex- acceptance into the situation he's in. And what, and basically the accident and his father and everything like that, so... Good for them on making that um, a part of it and fleshed out because you really make me actually care about these characters more than you did before. Cyborg, I guess that was like, yeah, who cares? But worked out fine. Um, and another thing too, let me just put it that way. Um, Batman v Superman. With that said, that's. Another thing, too, about Zack Snyder's whole vision here, too, was that the actual... I want to see, you know, we have Batman versus Superman. 
Dawn of Justice, yeah, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, um, Wonder Woman, and this version of the Justice League. It was a pretty epic story that they were going for. It was pretty epic at, uh, in camera. I just wish it was a little bit more respect for it. People that this because this is kind of an underrated universe, an underrated story, and it wasn't Marvel. It wasn't trying to be Marvel. It was trying to get catch up with Marvel. Definitely say with yeah. If you factor in the Snyder cut, you factor in um, the Ultimate cut of Batman versus Superman: John and Justice. It's pretty good. Pretty good story. Pretty flows pretty well. I, I'm really disappointed that we couldn't have at least seen the story all the way through because. Those visions, and yes, I'm going to talk about the vision scenes, too. I mean, it has, not the vision in Marvel, by the way. I mean, the vision scenes in Batman vs. Superman, it just makes more sense what they were going for. Um, we had time to flesh all that stuff out. We go into that whole world, man. That whole world. I'm just shame we couldn't have seen it all come to fruition. We'll see it sometime, I guess. Um, yeah. At the same time, shame we couldn't have seen that. Who knows? We didn't. We didn't think we were gonna get the Snyder cut, and we did. Um. So I don't know. We'll see. Probably it'll happen for us. We'll get it one day. One day. Complain enough, you'll get stuff happening. Uh. So, glad we got to see that Snyder cut. Um, at the same time, though, um, I was watching this other thing called Blockbuster. And yo, you know anything about Blockbuster? Uh, Blockbuster, if you don't know what Blockbuster is, Blockbuster was a video rental store they called Blockbuster. And it, it back in the day, we used to have to be able to go. And I'm old enough to remember this. Kind of interesting. Um, that you would go to the movie, you go to a store, and you would hope that your movie that you wanted to go see was there. And so you can pick it up, rent, rent it out for like two weeks, and then you'd have to return it. You had to watch it at one point within two weeks. Good times. And then that happened, and Netflix started to come up in their whole uh, universe and overtook Blockbuster. Overtook it completely. And then, yeah, and then, because if I'm not mistaken, Netflix started up their thing in 1997. It took 10 years for that company to really catch on. And it catched on in like 2007, I think. 2008. One of those two. 
anyway, it was hell of a time, and our lives were better because of it, because we were able to get movies and and see them. Because before that, you really didn't have the opportunity to be able to see a movie. It wasn't until the video rental stores were like that, which was pretty cool. Um, so, there was that. And some people were like, wow, what the hell? Tell me, bro. Anyway, so, there was that. Um, yeah, so Blackbuster was just overtaken by Netflix, and when Netflix really took it, um, and that, I'm not saying that it was the merger, thing or hostile takeover, because that doesn't happen anymore, hostile takeovers, when was the last time you saw a hostile takeover? Um, <laughs> that would be so cool, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but, um, man, I was looking at from a perspective of it just being gone. It's not Netflix is a thing. In Blockbuster Video they just they hit the um hit it hard enough. It hit the um it's always interesting too when you see these businesses that were actually had a chance to be something greater. Or like like for example, um Sears really missed out on being Am- in Amazon's position right now. If it wanted to be like that. Um Sears, um, Sears was the was they had this Sears catalog that was like this giant like phone book of a thing, and people would buy it from there, buy their things from there, and it would be shipped to them directly. Now, um, what we've noticed is that it could have been Amazon by that standard, but they just didn't go to internet fast enough. They go to the um, DVDs in the mail fast enough. Shame it could have been, but it's not. But so I guess in a couple of years, when that thing's gone, that location is gone, the memory of um, Blockbuster is just like going to be like a thing that I do. I'm the old man in the mountain now. Oh, yeah, back in that day, used to have to go to the movie theater. And buy and go to a store and buy a DVD, and you had to hope that the DVD was there when you got there, because if it wasn't, it would be gone, and you wouldn't be able to see your movie. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! So that would be a thing that way. Um, yeah, it's it's like a forgotten memory. It's gone. It's all gone, and the memories of doing that are gone. With me and my generation. My God. <sighs> Alright, well, in that case. Um, yeah, so it's a pretty good documentary. Watch it if you want to. Don't be like, oh, hey, I gotta watch this. But it's not like the end of the world if you don't watch it. I mean, you can, but at the same time, that's what people don't realize. Like, it can be something you can watch, it can be something you can enjoy, but. Does everybody do it? Nah, not everybody. It's all up to individual person that wants something to do. All right, so yeah, it's um over now, everybody. Uh, jeez, blockbuster, what a memory. 
I love fucking memory. Um, okay, let me tell you some other stuff that happened. Um, Jesus. So I was walking. No, that's that's a horrible way to like start something. Um, no, I was walking down the street and I saw it near my feet, and it was a little slug that I cannot see. That kind of a thing. That's ridiculous. We kind of like a little Ron was that Jesus. Slipping with your writing, um, Jesus. Uh, so we had a couple. Of sh- so I got on this. Had one show that whole mic'd up live stream, which was pretty dope. Um, and what was really cool too was the open mic afterwards. There would be a mic that would be set up for like a good two hours, and comics came through. It was pretty packed. I was, and you can like just have people walking around. The whole place was ours. It was pretty dope. It was pretty dope. Um, and oh, so uh, the first mic was like, hey, I get I get some laughs. Um, thankfully, I'm not. I'm so I did okay, but I really didn't do great. Um, I shouldn't beat myself up too much about it because it is just like an open mic. And I'm working shit out. But all right, so what about guys? Um, so I was doing a show um, that was like live stream shows mic'd up and it's good practice but then I run to another friend's show in Brooklyn let me tell you something about New York too why I love New York so much New York's the only place like, where you can like get off a train and see somebody get shanked and when someone says yo call an item one one homie you're like now nah, I gotta be somewhere <laughs> No, seriously, I was there in um, all the train like Marcy Avenue, so it was like the projects. And I get out and I see some bunch of kids shanking old guy, no lie, shanking old guy. <laughs> and he was just like, "Damn!" And then this lady's like, "You there? You have a phone call nine one one?" I'm like, "No, nah, I got I got peace out. I, I don't want to be involved." <laughs> Which sounds cowardly, but really it's not, because honestly, I'm like making a smart decision not to get involved in something like that. Me getting involved in something like that is just whack. But <laughs> New York is an amazing place. It's the only place you just be like, yeah, that's not my problem. So I go upstairs and hang out, and it's pretty cool. Um, some comics I knew around the area, some comics I knew um, on a that were like had some credits and did a lot of shows so it was pretty cool so I get up there and I'm watching and I'm just chilling because I want to be supportive right and then um, I get up uh, they ask me if I want to get up for like five minutes and I'm like hell yeah so I do that and hey just to be able to do a show like dude like honestly I'll take that um, that's what we're in, in the game for uh, so I do it and then it's just like I start out really strong um, and then like three, two and a half minutes, and I think I start to lose them, and not like lose them. It's just like the stuff isn't funny. I have their attention, um, because that's very different. Um, some people just think you're funny and they don't laugh. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get that science, but um, it happens sometimes. So that would happen to me, kind of near the end. I didn't like feel like I lost them, like in terms of like, like, um, like. I turned them off. They don't like me or whatever, but they like me. So they were like listening. So it was cool. 
and more, more importantly, and for something like now when I was, when I still kind of just like get my legs, it's like they know um, you remain calm. You may remain calm. You do your act. You can do a little improv um, and riff and give a show. Um, but as long as you remain calm, no matter what happens, I'm telling this joke. You know, if you don't get it, sorry, you are the weird ones. Kind of a thing, you know. Like maybe you're missing something there. Maybe you're missing something there. And what I would um, so I was really strong. I got off, got some compliments. I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah. And you know, you just feel like you kind of know what you're doing. A little bit. Feel like you know what you're doing. And uh, then I got a um, person saying, uh, hey, you're funny here. Have an edible. <laughs> and I'm like, nice. I'm not going to say no to that shit. Um, and I was talking to another comic. And he was talking about like how he might head out somewhere to another spot. And you're like, hell yeah, dude. And like to go get up somewhere. Because how hey, you're feeling off that high of like, you know you did well. It was a good set. It just wasn't like groundbreaking. Sometimes just can't keep them going. Sometimes, at least I'm starting off strong. And um, then I dipped out and went out. I stayed for a couple more comics and just saw it to the end of the show and just said my piece and said thank you for the stage time and great to see you guys. Great show. And I dipped out and then I dipped out and I did my own. Um, went over to this one spot where I did the live stream. And the live stream was packed. It was fucking packed. And you're like, damn, this actually feels like hopping a little bit. And so I went in there. Um, but before all this, I took that edible. I didn't realize that edible was going to really, like, I fuck with me in terms of, I mean, I knew it was going to fuck with me, but I didn't have the whole thing. I had just a little sliver of it. Like a little sliver of it. <laughs> a sliver, not a crumb. I said a crumb, not a sliver. <laughs> I wonder what's smaller, too, a sliver or a crumb? Crumb, I think, would be the better one. Um, sliver or crumb. So that was happening, and then I dipped out. I dipped out to go do another set because I wanted to do another set, and uh, got on another mic, and it felt pretty good. It felt like a good little happen, little piece of New York again. Jesus, you just almost forget it sometimes. Um, as things used to be, and that was fun. Um, but I was high. So I was walking around being kind of like, you know, dude, I'm kind of high right now. And everyone said, like, you have edible energy. Edible energy. That's, you heard that right. Edible energy. And um, so I left. And I did my set. And I did it, like, late at night. And I bombed. I bombed epically. The energy in the room was terrible. I... Energy was there, like they want to hear me laugh, but 
they wanted to laugh, but I just like I was so toasted. I just couldn't s- do it right. And I was like, "Fuck! What the hell, man? Time to stop." I went to home. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so yeah, that happened. And so I felt left feeling kind of weird, but it was cool to see this uh, place pop like that. Good shit. Good fucking shit, people. Um, damn. Um, outside that, um, then I was just like, fuck, dude. Like, maybe this is the lesson I need to learn there. I'm not 100% sure, but maybe. Um, just don't do that stuff on stage like that. Because you know you can't, you're too much in your own head. Even though you can't be present, you can't stay level. It's not as fun as it used to be. And besides, you're at a point, too, where that shouldn't be fun like that anymore. It should be just, uh, and I'm just talking about me with, like, pottering, I guess, now. But you get, I think you guys see my point. I think you guys see what I mean. It's that no one will just perform and rely on that stuff. You want to perform and it not being a crutch. Take it to expand on mine, man. Not for to expand on <laughs> Not to numb ourselves to it. Or something like that. Uh, some hippie language like that. I don't know. Some hippies will talk like that. I mean, I think. I don't know any hippies personally, but it could be a thing. I mean, do I know any hippies? I probably did in college, but I don't think I even care about them anymore. Hippies? Or uh, hipsters? Or hipsters even a thing anymore? I'm right, trying to write a joke about hipsters, and I'm having trouble with it. I mean, my, honestly, are hipsters, like, really a thing anymore? Do we even give a shit about hipsters, or are they just what they were. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, so, that was that energy, that energy level. And, um, it was what it was. You know what I mean? Um, so, it's the end of it. End of it for me, at least. Um, I realize I just talked about like about like twenty five minutes. Who, who, who the hell would listen to a show where they do that? I mean, it's kind of popular. It's got an audience. This show has an audience. The people in France, <laughs> the people in Canada. Um, well, that's that story. Um, okay, folks, this was the time. Um, I'm just gonna keep grinding it out, and I hope you guys stick with me. On this whole weird adventure in life. Um, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, guys, that's the podcast for this week. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be babbling about my whole problems and and I don't know what the hell that's supposed to mean, but to get the idea, I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but you guys from there. Um, dope stuff. All right, guys. That's podcast for this week. Hope you chilled it, and let's talk soon. And on Monday, I don't know where I'll be, but I'll be somewhere. What day is it today? Monday. So yeah, we'll talk to you on Wednesday. In two more days, a little bit further about how young life of this young man's are going. Um, all right, guys. I will talk to you next on Wednesday. See you on Wednesday. Goodbye. <laughs>
pre-taped from his office or his bedroom or his mom's basement or well wherever the hell he is welcome to the only place where you can be smart on the internet a really smart podcast with Tommy